When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. So I came across my Slack DMs. Actually, it was a text message. Somebody sent me this LinkedIn post that's getting some traction about rampant overleveling of PM. It's actually a series of two posts. The first one talks about PMs this individual worked with and they were overleveled and it makes him want to quit his job as a designer. And then the second post he made is about the impact that he feels that overleveling of PMs is having on designing career paths. And I thought it was just a very interesting kind of provocative post from one person's perspective. I don't, I actually don't think I disagree about the rampant overleveling of PMs. <laughs> I think as a hiring manager, it's always fun to really, by fun, I mean, probably not type one fun, but kind of type two fun <laughs> to figure out whether or not a PM is really as skilled as they present themselves. Uh, and then after you hire them, find out how good your vetting was. <laughs> and so, yeah, I thought it'd be interesting to talk a bit about, you know, have we experienced overleveling of PMs and what are the cascading impacts of that happening? I think this is a great topic. <laughs> Spe- speaking it like hiring as well like we're about to open up some roles and i think generally speaking i've seen overlap i think there's a, there's an interest piece not just over leveling but i think pms also have poor expectations of how quickly they can advance in their careers you know people expecting to go from associate pm to some type of like product leader in two to three years or something of that nature, like from an APM level all the way up. Not saying that it's unheard of, but I think there's just some whack expectations all around. And that definitely needs a little bit of a, I'll call it a quote, quote, come to Jesus moment. Sometimes these things naturally come out, right? And maybe not, but I could be wrong. But why do you think this is happening? Why does this happen? And maybe it happens more in PMs than other careers. And then how do you know that this is happening if you're in that moment? Like if you're in this person that feels ambitious, that feels like you can level things up, but needs to come to Jesus, but you don't really know, right? I think what happens is in leadership, right? We always want people to advance. And I think given the hotness of the product management market the last couple of years, that the incentive structure to keep people around and keep people motivated has been to advance them in their careers. Sometimes a little than needed in the hope that they're not going to go pick another higher paying offer elsewhere. I definitely know there are some places who've done things of that nature. But I also think beyond that, I think there's just a mentality of patience that doesn't exist in the working generation here. I mean, and I'll say I don't have it. I want to come in. Yeah. I want to hustle. I want to hustle my, you know, my butt off. I want to show my value. I want to deliver tons of value and I yeah. want to get leveled up like we all do. But mm. I think there, I think that comes almost at a detriment sometimes. Like how do you decide what's real value being delivered? And 
and what's not. And I think we've kind of let ourselves get ahead of it a little bit just due to market pressure. Yeah, I think I agree to an extent. Like, I think the bloated nature of the tech market the last several years did make it like, how do you retain people when they could go get an offer warranted or not somewhere else for, you know, a significant pay raise? I'm sure that did contribute to it. My other hypothesis, though, is that I think product management, particularly in the software space, hasn't had a clear entry point that was truly entry level. The author of this post points that out as some of his experience as well has been people are subject matter experts and they earn their way into a product management role. And I think by the nature of where their career was, you know, they were five to 10 years into their career when they make this switch into product management, then the question becomes, well, what level am I? Do I take a pay cut to become an entry-level PM because I brought this subject matter expertise? So I think sometimes the entry into product management is actually, they are over-leveled in their technical product management skill set to compensate for their subject matter expertise or industry expertise. And then you start to see some failure of product management function. Because like now I'm in a job, a role that's higher than my technical product management expertise was because I brought all this other history with me, all this other. And how do we value that? How do we level that? Because it's good to have, but how do you value it and level it? It's almost very limiting, right? So if you get deep into the industry, into the technical weeds, and you're trying to level up your product career, and that's your only exposure to the profession, it's almost a little skewed. And then it's limiting for you as an individual where you can't really take that anywhere else. You can't kind of move to another company at that same level with that experience. So that limiting experience, if it's just industry or leaning on that, right? That was something that I knew that might be a, what's the right word, a crutch if I stayed in the industry that I was in when I first became a PM versus if I would try a new industry with the same skills of the PM, right? So like I knew that, okay, if I could repeat this somewhere else in a different location, different environment, different industry, one, it's a good learning opportunity for me. And then two, it was that come to Jesus moment for me, right? Like, oh, I'm not a technical expert here. Like I don't know everything. And I needed that personally to continue to grow my professional career. So I would say like, if you have that pattern in your career that you're continually at the same industry, doing the same role and at a high elevated level, push yourself to try something new to test it, right? To see how good you are, right? To experiment, to remain curious, remain open-minded. If you might be in that role, which you can question, that might be a realization or a signal that you can use to try something different. But then as like a receiver of that, right? Like as someone that is hiring, right? Or someone that is building a team or someone that has a new team member, right? It can incredibly be frustrating. So I think it's our job as leaders to make sure we get the right people in the right seats with the right context. Probably goes into that vetting, right? Like, how do we go through our interview process? How do we go through onboarding? What is the mindset that we look for for these individuals that come join the team? And if they are incredibly industry specific and specialized and then they come into the team, how do they come in? Do they feel like they know it all or do they feel like they're open and curious? And I use that from experience because I definitely was at times in my career where I thought I knew it all and got a, got a wake up call for sure. Yeah. Humbling moments can be growing or stunting or choice. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's something about you were kind of mentioning, like thinking about what are you coming in with? What are you hiring for? I suspect that the individual who wrote this probably had experiences where there wasn't the right mix of skill and expertise on the team. And I think that if you're responsible for building a team, you do have to think about what is the right mix of what I need right now. Does the team need more industry expertise? Does the team need more solid product management practice? 
And can I hire for that specifically? I get so frustrated looking at and even writing job posts for product managers. I think we have a long way to go as an industry and doing a better job of articulating what we're really looking for. As a hiring yeah. manager, it's always in my mind, yeah. right? I'm thinking I, what's most important to me in this role is someone who is bringing applied product management skill. I don't care what industry they've been in. I'm, I'm looking for industry agnostic product management skill that they've applied in practice. Don't regurgitate a book or a blog post or a, yes. you know, a framework to me. Like, tell me how you've applied these. And other times I do need, like, you do need someone who understands the nuance of the industry you're in and maybe had some product manager experience, curious. But as I look across my team at a macro level, do I have the right blend of those skills? And then am I hiring effectively to fill those gaps? I love that. Yeah, like having that diversity of skill on the team, diversity of talent, diversity of expertise. That's huge as a leader. Let's throw on another lens here and let's say this person that wrote this post Let's put ourselves in their shoes. We're on a team. We have this individual that we're working with that thinks that they know the job, right? Well, I don't know if that's the attitude that this person's complaining about in particular, but they mentioned they're not actually doing the P0 skills of a job or something. Like they're not actually doing yeah, the basics. Lot, yeah. yeah, they don't have a roadmap. They're not doing stakeholder management. And so I, as yeah. a designer, suddenly am taking this on. How do yeah. you identify that as a leader? I think that's one of the key questions. Like, how do you spy that if you're not in the day-to-day work? How do you know that? That's a good Good question. First thing comes to mind is that you're talking with the team, but like how often and how many teams do you have? Maybe like you have a connect with the team lead to understand, like to get a pulse of how their activity is, how like the things that they're doing and, and see if you can get something from that. Is there a signal in the data that you could see? I mean, it probably comes out, right? Like, where's your roadmap? You know, what is your OKRs? How are you measuring the OKR? Like, I feel like if they don't have those basic things, then that's your answer. But if they're struggling with creating the correct ones or at the level that you're expecting them to, you probably just use those. I don't know. What do you think? I think that's where I'd look to. They feel fairly checkboxy. Do we have a roadmap? Are we hitting targets <laughs> in an expected manner? what's the velocity of the team they're working with and i don't care so much about the number on the velocity but the volatility of that team and then if the highly volatile team and i ask that pm like why if they can't answer me then they're like what's going on like i don't really care whose fault it is i just want to know that there's an understanding of team health around shipping product and if there is not an understanding we have a gap in their understanding and even like how responsible or accountable they feel their ideas being shipped maybe as a leader Lindsay, is there is there something that you have implemented that measures team health as you do this today? Is that, are those the actual checks that you, you take into account? Definitely. I think it's a mental checklist that I keep thinking, oh, I should really write this down and make it explicit for my team. <laughs> I feel like I'm on my way there. My team has started sharing. So today I'm managing a team of consultants that work across projects for different companies. In a more recent past life, I was managing my own team of PMs for a single company and a portfolio of products. And in both cases, I expect all the teams to have the same basic artifacts, like she mentioned, roadmaps. Our weekly syncs discuss, like, what are your priorities for this week? What are your blockers? And what did you learn in the last week that would be impactful for the rest of your team to know? I think too much silence or lack of movement on either of those things starts to become an indicator for me as a leader to dig in more. I try to use those short but high quality times together that are synchronous to figure out where we should dig in. Wow, this like 1 p.m.'s priorities haven't changed for three weeks. Like, why? Does that make sense? You know, like sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's like, why have I been hearing about that same like piece of research for you know a single feature set for a month are they stuck are they you know what's going on and then you can kind of dig in in a one-on-one and go from there 
surface things. But I, I find that those rhythms of high value signals in short periods of time are valuable. I love that. What are those signals? Like, let's get specific here and give other companies now some things that they could look for to make sure that they have the right people in the right seats. Are there easy, broader measurements like that are kind of like norm? What this person is saying, these P0 things, P0 product work, like what are the signals to say, are they doing it or not? And then you can determine what caliber. Post calls out in particular product managers with senior title. So they're saying that the expectations of a senior PM that is crushing it on their team, what are those things, the tactical measurements? I think the way that I very pragmatically answer that question, like how do I know, is can they tell me why they're doing anything they're doing right now? If it's if why gets answered with because it's important to someone else, if why gets answered with because it's in the backlog, those are red flags to me. <laughs> like, no, tell me why. Because it's important to the user, because we're running an experiment to validate this assumption. This assumption boils up to this like achievement of an OKR, because if this is right, then we get like they can explain the why. They can tell the story. And they progressed from like executor, I ship product, to like I know what the right product is to ship. And I ensure that it's getting shipped. Right. So basically one signal, what y'all are saying is that they are coming proactively with the strategy based on the context for their area. Now, not only are they proactively bringing the strategy, but they can articulate it, meaning that it's not just lip service, maybe, right? Like this is actually something that I can see them, you know, connecting the dots, firing those neurons together to, to make the connections all the way to both the company and the external user's value, right? That they're getting as an outcome of this strategy. Not only that, so it's two things there. I bring strategy to the table. I'm connecting the dots. They could tell me why, but you've also mentioned the execution, right? And so when we're talking about execution, what is the level at the P0 product work that we're looking for in terms of execution? Because we have the strategy. You're, you're thoughtful. You think through these things. You proactively bring it, but then you you deliver it and deliver it consistently. So what is what are the measurements that you all look for to determine are they delivering the thing successfully towards that strategy? Yeah, and I do think I want to qualify that I think deliver it consistently will depend on the org that they're in. So in some cases, they may not sure. have responsibility of the backlog. And in some cases, they do. They have like what I call full stack responsibility from backlog through roadmap and stakeholder management. In either case, I think the measurements are the same. Does your Is your team's velocity steady? If it's not, why not, right? Because as a PM, no matter whether you're in the weeds managing the backlog, or maybe you're a, you're a step beyond that because there's somebody else that manages the backlog and so you're just, you sort of have oversight responsibility. I measure velocity and volatility. So volatility is like the standard deviation week over week of the change in that velocity. But just to be clear though with you, Lindsay, the velocity, like what are you looking to measure? Is this story points? Is this releases? Is this, mm-hmm. what story are particular? Yeah, velo- okay. yeah, yeah, very specific. We're, yeah, velocity is story points. You know, I, I would prefer that a team be pointing on perceived effort and complexity over time. But either way, I think teams will norm around how they're going to point. And as long as that mm-hmm. team is, stays together for a, a decently long period of time and is pointing consistently, whatever, those points come out in the wash. I care about the volatility. I don't care about the actual number of the velocity. I think we get into the outcome versus outputs debate here. And I love the swing towards outcomes, but an outcome is totally worthless if our output is unpredictable and doesn't happen. So I think what I'm trying to call out, I'll tell you a story that depicts Marine, what I'm camping on. I hired a senior PM, very senior PM, like long career experience, 
really great strategy rocked it in the interview process and we went through the planning process we set forth our outcomes he had really solid strategy for how to get there and he told me three days before our partner launch that we were going to miss it by four weeks i was like whoa what happened (laughs) he didn't know how to measure the outputs along the way and so as a result just totally missed it. He had good strategy, but I didn't know how to measure progress to the strategy. And it made me come back. I was like, crap, I like come back to the basics. I stopped tracking it because he had all the right storylines and the right activity around. He was having good, com- when his engineering team said, we're blocked, he helped them get unblocked. But what he was missing was measuring whether or not those outputs were predictable and his achievement towards the outcomes was on track or not. It's not like as an industry, we've swung really hard towards outcomes and how sexy those are and they're more fun to talk about and like you really get into strategy. But it's like, we, we've got to bring the outputs with us. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm so with you. The balance of those two, right? It's the balance of, the, is it the right things? And then are the things happening? And I love being yeah. a little bit more oriented. I think, Lindsay, there's a point to be a little bit more solution output driven as a tool to like consistently build that muscle, consistently experiment, consistently learn, but don't lose sight and don't have an opinion, don't have the strategy, not apparent, right? Like that has to be in the mix. And then one thing I wanted to add from what this post was saying, this statement was really interesting. I want to unpack, but much of the work that they assign that they referring to this unexperienced senior PMs to UX is targeting an MVP that isn't actually viable or creates value on its own. This yeah. one I love like this. We, we, we need to spend another podcast on this. But like, I think we go wide sometimes and design the ideal experience. And it's very rare that I see PMs craft that ability to refine, to focus on that specific unit of value that is so minute and small for the learner. It's designing the skateboard. I feel like that exercise is now... It's almost not a strong muscle with PMs in this motion that I'm seeing, right? Like you're stronger on the output. You're good with project. You can knock those things out or you're really good at strategy, but some might not be good at this in particular. So what do you all think about that? And how would you actually measure that they're doing this well? I I measure, hold on a second. What do I measure? (laughs) It's not quantitative for me. I qualitatively, I measure whether or not you have a clear roadmap you can articulate to me why things are on the roadmap what risks and assumptions are you testing and you know whether you are directly responsible or you have a team who works on your behalf of your roadmap do you know how predictably they're shipping software so that your roadmap can align to reality love it i'm so fascinated there's got to be a quantitative thing here like I would assume, like, I love the qualitative, <laughs> but like, I think you need to write this down, Lindsay, and let's let's workshop it. Like, let's okay, there's something let's here it. that's cool. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. I really want a leading indicator. Like, I think it's that's it's good to retro and it's yeah. helpful, but then yes. identifying like what's the leading indicator, so we're not always reacting. So, well, what one of the questions is, do they do what they say they were going to do? Right? Like, this is yeah. more in the in the re- roadmap. Right? You can say you're doing a bunch of things, but when you put it there, does it get done? Right? Mm-hmm. And those are like maybe there's the mixture of the the roadmaps of the now, next, later, which are more discovery oriented versus like the launches that you're pretty confident in, mm-hmm. right? The, the two, like yeah. I would say maybe the, the nuances between that, where it's like the launches that I'm confident in and we've been working through, we're building up to go GA, do I ship on time or do I do what I say I'm going to do versus obviously kind of being more exploratory and just completely 
wasting their time in exploratory land and not actually getting the things done they say they're going to do. So maybe that's one question that KPI to that. It's only going to be results, right? It's all, it's all got to be, I mean, what goes into it? It's re- smaller releases, right? It's ship yet. Yeah, like you said, Lindsay shipping code. Are they shipping the codes? Okay. Are they getting the right learnings to iterate? How many of those cycles are they going through? Do they have customer feedback and pull to kind of continue to grow the product confidently? Are they getting the signals appropriate? That's going to look different for each type of product you go explore. And then is it moving forward? Is it growing at the rate that it needs to to match what they said they were going to do? I don't know. There's something there. There's something there we got to be able to measure here. But yeah. it's I'm down to dig into it more. <laughs> Workshop it. All right. Those that are listening, (laughs) (laughs) share your thoughts. Yeah. How are you measuring this in your product leadership career? Like, what are those signals that you communicate? What are those signals that you track to confidently tell yourself that you're on the right track here? I always like seeing the data, but I love both approaches, right? Like the one, we have the questions here. Lindsay gave you all the things you need to ask yourself and, and ask your team. And then how do you measure that you're doing those things? Share your thoughts. You can leave a voicemail. By the way, I think we have a link on our episode description. Please do that. And we will put your direct voicemail onto this episode as a response if we get those in. So please do that. If you have ideas, I'd love to share it and add your name so we don't not credit you there. Let's wrap it up. And I don't know if we'll have time for homework. I guess that's the homework. Call in. Let us know. How are you measuring this? Yeah, it looks like we finished up our coffee. So go level up. This has been Product Coffee. Produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover. And who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.